Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Liz Loza and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years Do you know what satisfied me today? A little thing called Swimly. This is where it's like an Airbnb, but just for someone's pool. I do not have a pool. It is still warm-ish. No, it's like hot in Los Angeles. Like it's not 95, but it's like 90. It's still hot. And um, I like to go swimming when it is hot and I am not blessed with a pool. So I rented one via Swimly for two hours and I was very satisfied with my experience. Matt, have you Swimlyed? I've never heard of this ever, uh, which isn't surprising. I mean, I think you also introduced me to some app called uh, Jackrabbit or whatever, whatever, (laughs) where people come and do your chores for you a couple of years ago, too. So you're way more ahead on the whole app situation than I am. The only app that I I'm regularly on is the Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Fantasy app, obviously. So that makes a lot of sense. But no, I mean, that, that that sounds pretty cool. It's not nearly as hot where I live in LA as it is where you are. So I don't know that I necessarily need the pool, but that's sounds pretty sick though. I mean, that's not a bad situation. Yeah, it was, it was great. We like went for a little plunge and they had snacks and I didn't use their towels cause a little OCD. No, thank you. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, so check it out. This is not a hashtag ad. It is actually something I discovered on my own. Um, you know what else? Uh, the Raiders discovered that Henry Ruggs was exactly the right addition to what they wanted to pull off, particularly when facing the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about this on the FFL halftime show. You know, the Raiders drafted Henry Ruggs to match in many ways, Tyreek Hill and what the Chiefs could do playing catch up here. Well, it worked because they pulled off an up- upset over the defending champs on the road. Derek Carr passed for, wait for it, 347 yards plus three touchdowns, finding Darren Waller. Sure. Got it. No big deal. Henry Ruggs. All right. That makes sense. And then the baby dropper himself, Nelson Aguilar. He didn't actually drop a baby, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the people know what that that is a reference to. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's going to be a lot like this. Oh, that, that, yeah, no doubt about that. It's been a weird one. Yeah, no, I mean, the Raiders, 
John Gruden was taking some victory laps after this game, you know, saying the statisticians at Pro Football Focus will have to be will be, will be so confused by the fact that they were, you know, an effective deep passing game today, which I don't know that that's quite like the own that John Gruden thinks it is, because that's just like admitting that you're usually very good at pushing the ball down the field. But yeah, I mean, the team, like if you're for, for fantasy and you're looking at the Chiefs on, on their side of it outside of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like you're like, this is pretty solid. Like this is what you'd expect. But you know, that chief's defense, which was one of the best passing units, uh, like efficiency wise, success rate wise, DVOA wise in the NFL coming into this game, they were a pretty big disappointment in this spot. Absolutely. They also have had the proclivity towards being leaky against the run. And that showed with Josh Jacobs carrying the ball 23 times for 77 rushing yards and two touchdowns, but also Forget the matchup a second. Part of the reason that I loved Josh Jacobs coming into the season was because I felt like Ruggs would, you know, forget the passing downs conversation for a second, would stretch the field for Jacobs. And we saw a lot of that happening this week. I mean, I I, I really appreciated that as well. But if you are going to talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, I'll own, I'll take the victory lap and I'll also get owned when I need to get owned because I said at F- during FFL that I thought CEH would go over 75 and a half rushing specific yards after going, uh, I think he managed 64 rushing yards in back-to-back contests. He did not do that, only 40 yards, but then he gained another 40 yards via the air on three catches. So, what do you think the problem is here? Um, you know, you you mentioned quite right that Patrick Mahomes is running in the touchdowns himself more. Do you think this is going to be a consistent issue? Are we only going to see CEH having scored, you know, in week one? Or is it not going to be as regularly as we were anticipating? That has been an issue so far. And I think that Mahomes rushing in touchdowns is great news for the Chiefs. Uh, I can. I was harking back to a conversation I had uh, with Graham Barfield during that first year that he was starting. We were watching the game against the Colts in the playoffs together. I'm sure I've told the story on the pod before, but who, whatever, I'm going to tell it again. And, you know, I, I Graham made the point, like, in that season when he kept, you know, ripping off, like, he wasn't ripping off these long gains. He was, like, taking shots down the field on third down, these low percentage passes. And Graham made the point, like, man, when he actually does start just taking those seven-yard layups or whatever on the ground because he can because he can move, like, he's just going to be that much more dangerous. And, and he's saying this in the middle of a season where he's, you know, throwing 50 touchdowns, like, breaking all these records as a rookie. So, yeah, it's I think it's great that he has taken that evolution from like a Chiefs offense standpoint and from Patrick Mahomes' individual production standpoint. But it's definitely kind of a bummer, you know, when when you think about what what you're getting from CEH so far, especially in the scoring area of the field. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not like panicking over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, you know, I'm I'm sure by the end of the season he'll finish with decent numbers. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, he's also what who else are you going to start at this point? If it's not Josh Jacobs, if it's not Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey is expected back in week six, but running back position is pretty thin. And this guy offers you a pretty solid floor. And you always say, which I think is fantastic advice. You want a running back that's attached to a good quarterback and an explosive offense. Well, he's got those two things. So boxes checked. Let's move on to the Rams at Washington football team game. Um, I think this game added more drama um, in terms of narrative than in actual on the field play because Alex Smith came onto the field and there was already drama coming in, obviously, with Dwayne Haskins getting benched after a couple of sit downs with Ron Rivera. Kyle Allen was the guy. He got knocked out because Jalen Ramsey was called for a helmet to helmet 
hit. Um, and that then gave Alex Smith the opportunity to make a giant comeback. Um, but it was a, a wonderfully emotional moment, and it was great to see him back on the field from a football and just football standpoint, though he is 36 years old and does not add, he does not lift this offense. No, yeah. I mean, there's there's two conversations to have, one of yeah. which is the obvious, like the human interest story, sure. which is Alex Smith, and it's great. Yeah, this is obviously what he wanted. You could see how like happy his family was for him, and that's great too. From a foot then there's like two other football conversations to have, which is one, you said it, you know, Alex Smith at this point isn't even the old Alex Smith. Like it was clear right. that he's kind of a shell of his former self and his former self wasn't even all, you know, that exciting. Like then it's just, Oh, this is a really bad offense. Like it's a horrible pass protection unit. I mean, I felt for Alex Smith, I said this on the halftime show, like yeah. I feel for Alex Smith that he's having to make this debut when Aaron Donald is involved. Like that's not what you want. Smith gets dropped for two sacks. Uh, Kyle Allen was dropped for two sacks before Smith got in there. It's also weird sort of on the Ron Rivera angle too, because man, you know, I know I understood sort of why they made the decision to, to bench Haskins, right? Because I understood their justification, whether I agreed with it or not is, is a whole nother discussion too. But like Rivera said, he wanted to bench Haskins because he wanted to, he saw a window to win the NFC East. That window now with Dak Prescott, the Dak Prescott news is is that window is probably even wider now. But he said that, you know, these other guys gave him a better chance to win. But it was weird that like Kyle Allen gets knocked out of this game and then was cleared to come back in the game. But they still left Alex Smith out there. So I'm just I'm a little confused now. Like what does Rivera know who he wants at quarterback? Is it the guy that he's familiar with in Kyle Allen? Is it Alex Smith, who theoretically is the best quarterback on the roster? And then is it just not Dwayne Haskins because this is just not your guy, or is there more going on there? Like I'm very I'm I kind of felt like I went into this week with a clear idea of what Rivera's thoughts on the situation were. And now I feel like I'm leaving this game a little more confused. Well, I think that he has every Right to be confused, though, because, I mean, we know last year the Kyle Allen was bad, right? Like the Arizona game in what week three notwithstanding, he was not effective. Um, And I, I think Alex Smith was brought into the picture, not just from the human angle, which is extraordinary and should be highlighted and we are all rooting for, but also we've seen Alex Smith work as a mentor type role. He's done it with the person you call football Jesus, Patrick Mahomes, who we just discussed, right? Like we know that he has that capability in him and that is what this team needs. But also he hasn't been on the field in what, 600 days, right? So we can expect some rust. I think we can, you know, like that is a fair and reasonable expectation. And so coming into this week, I, I think now Rivera is going to have to decide how quickly Smith can catch up and whether Smith's job is to be a short-term bridge or a more long-term bridge. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you just said about that, yeah. Um, we can talk about the running backs in Los Angeles as well. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is the same thing we've been talking about all week. It is a carousel. It is a hot-hand approach. Daryl Henderson, though, 15 carries and 38 yards in the touchdown – but he also had 30 more receiving. Malcolm Brown was only eight carries and 30 yards. Um, and then Cam Akers was quiet 
for the beginning of the game, and then he broke off a large run, which is why he was drafted, right? Like, that was the allure of him, this ability to create and extend mm -hmm. and just break off a big play at any moment. That's what the excitement around this player, uh, that was the reason for the excitement around this player. And he does, he manages nine carries for 61 yards. I feel like from a fantasy perspective and just a fantasy perspective, all three of these players are going to cannibalize each other and cut off their ceilings. Although right now, if I had to choose, I am going to rank Daryl Henderson above the other two. Yeah, Henderson pops in two touchdowns today, and Sean McVay after the game says uh, he expects Cam Akers to, you know, have a bigger load next week, where's his exact words. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not going to personally ruin my own zen by trying to get emotionally involved in this backfield. It's just, I'm just not going to do that anymore. No, but we do have, I mean, I, I agree with that 100%. But I would say probably don't get emotionally involved or invested in lots of fantasy stuff. But regardless, um, I do think that, you know, it is our job on a week to week basis, um, both as enthusiasts and professionals to figure out which one of these guys we're prioritizing. And I feel like right now we still have to prioritize Henderson until something changes. Yep, I, I agree. And it's just go into it with the what i'm saying by that is like yeah of course like obviously we got to still try to figure this out but go into it with a clear mind of like hey henderson is coming off a big game and if the carpet is completely yanked out from under you next week you have to you got to be completely okay. prepared for that yeah like because we've seen this story before like a week ago <laughs> this is a, this is the same thing that happened a week ago right. so yeah if it ha if it happens you know it's coming Let's go to Carolina at Atlanta. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 313 yards, two touchdowns. He was a fantasy damage pick for me, mostly because of the matchup. And I think he has been doing, he has been um, exceeding expectations. And we talked about the expectations for both of these teams and how they have probably affected the pro production for each squad during our FFL halftime report. Are you, what are your thoughts on, I mean, and, and I'm asking here because if we are going to talk about div emotionally divorcing ourselves from si some situations, there is some connective emotional tissue for you and this Panther squad. So have any, has, has Teddy, um, I don't want to say rekindled, but warmed you at all. I don't know if you can see here, Liz, but I've got the, I got the Panthers clock on the, on the wall right behind me. Oh, I can't see it, but I, I see a, a vague outline. So, okay. Uh, okay. Number that's, one, that's, I, uh, I, I, yeah, hint. like, I, let's just put it this way. I'm feeling towards the Panthers, you know, I'm not feeling disgust to the point that I can't look at that thing on the wall, but I'm, I'm only feeling good enough to put it there because I need some decoration behind me. Right. Cause I don't want people just staring at a blank ass wall back here. Um, so I think though this Panthers team, the 2020 Panthers team is kind of fun. Like they're an interesting collection of talents on offense. I mean, Mike Davis has been awesome. 350 yards from scrimmage over the last three weeks in that same span. Teddy Bridgewater has been extremely, you know, extremely efficient uh six total touchdowns over 800 yards passing just one turnover uh you know they're getting curtis samuel involved on like third down plays they're obviously getting robbie anderson his looks dj Moore bounces back today only five targets but still does find the end zone on a big catch and run i like the way they're calling plays on offense i think you could pick some nits about where they're deploying all of these receivers and their defense too by the way like this is this is one thing that I think is really fun. Against the pass. Yes. They're much better than anticipated. Yeah, they're yeah. crushed on the ground. I mean, Todd Gurley, 14 carries, 121 yards today and a touchdown. 
That's fine. Hey, even Todd Gurley even caught four passes. Four passes today, Liz. That's like a, that's, that's that's something to get excited about. Um, but <laughs> also, like they've been good for three straight weeks against the pass, relatively speaking. They've been held Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, and Matt Ryan all under seven yards per attempt. They've you know limited the touchdowns, just four total four total touchdowns between rush or passing touchdowns between that group as well. So, yeah, I mean, right now this pass defense looks pretty decent. And by the way, too, like they lost Dante Jackson and Brian Burns in this game. Dante Jackson gives up his fair share of plays and coverage. That's fine, but Brian Burns is one of their like legit blue chip talents on the team. So that I thought that was pretty impressive that they still maintained a decent passing game performance. Uh, here against Atlanta, despite the fact of those injuries. So yeah, I mean the team right now is 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 fun, and like you're doing all this without theoretically their best player. But Mike Davis has you know stepped right in and been you know Andy said 85 percent today on FFL or or something like that. Mike Davis is 85 percent Christian McCaffrey. There's other analysts out there, you know, 90 percent, 95 percent, and hey, I mean you can't really argue with the results so far. Well, CMC is going to come back, expected to come back in week six. So, But you have to imagine because Davis has performed so well that there is an opportunity here, which is not great for fantasy, but for the Panthers to not weigh so heavily on McCaffrey and give Mike Davis some more opportunities. So we'll see. And also, like, I have to imagine that McCaffrey is going to be eased in a little bit. So the matchup also in week six, not great. They get the Bears. So from a passing defense point of view, I'm sure those stats will hold nicely yeah. for Carolina. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but in terms of um, uh, in, in terms of facing the Bears defense, they're I would imagine I, I'm not going to I'm not betting on uh, Teddy Bridgewater to like clear more than 230 passing. Well, yards. McCaffrey, if he doesn't come back and Mike Davis gets another start, that is a revenge game for Mike Davis. You know, he's on the Bears roster last year. So big revenge time revenge game. You make a very good point. Week one was huge <laughs> against the Packers last year. Um, let's talk about Atlanta, though, briefly, because. Somebody broke Matt Ryan. Julio Jones wasn't in this one. Calvin Ridley continues to eat without Jones there. 10 targets, 8 catches, 136 yards, and a touchdown worth every penny in a daily. Hayden Hurst, the stat line doesn't look great. Only 2 of 8, but he was just missed um, on a touchdown pass, so... Again, when I'm looking at opportunities and I'm we always preach volume, like Hurst still has the opportunities and he has high value targets, so I'm not going to move away from him just yet. Not because I don't want to, but because I don't really I'm not, I I don't have the confidence and maybe you do to like start Darren Fells ahead of Hayden Hurst. No, I don't either. And this whole Falcons offense, like it's very fair to say that they're completely lost at sea at this point. Like I this is the one surprise from the Falcon season. Like, look, every Falcon season since 2017 has looked exactly the same. They've been a terrible defense. It gives a bunch of production over the middle of the field, and they can't rush the passer. They're always disappointing. They're about 7-9, and nine, whatever. Same old thing. Keep it moving. But one thing that usually we can count on is that the passing game doesn't circle the drain with the rest of the team. But this, the last right. weeks, Matt Ryan has gone under 290 yards every single game. He's thrown just one touchdown to two interceptions. Just one touchdown in three games. Yikes. And I mean, look, here's the one there's there's a silver lining to this. And you know, we're the silver lining podcast. That's what we're here on the forecast. We're here to be the two silver lining folks for sure. Um, if there's a silver lining, it's that Julio Jones at some point could be back. 
that could be a difference maker. Um, Dan Quinn, Jeff Schultz from The Athletic reports that Dan Quinn the all but finalized an announcement could come Monday or Tuesday. I'm, I'm not saying that that's just going to fix everything, but we do sometimes see teams get, you know, they breathe that sigh of relief. I think we saw it with Houston a little bit today. They got back on track with Bill O'Brien being out the door. I yep. don't think Dan Quinn is nearly the lightning rod that Bill O'Brien is, but still just to change could be a jolt for this group. So with the fact that there's a couple variables that, you know, could be shifting for Atlanta's offense, Jones's return, Quinn being ousted, there's at least something to leave the imagination open that they could start to get back on track. But man, you know, just, just not great results so far. And I think you kind of have to do at least adjust the expectations until we see something different. I appreciate that you mentioned the athletics report about Dan Quinn, and it's a perfect segue to the Arizona at New York Jets matchup because if you're talking about fired coaches, well, Cliff Kingsbury certainly changed the Cardinals offense around, and um, I don't know how Adam Gay still has a job. I mean, at this point, I'm starting to think that maybe the Jets just don't want to get rid of Adam Gase because they don't want to hand the rain. They really love tacos. I, well, yeah, but maybe maybe they just really don't want to hand the reins over to Greg Williams. And I mean, they could they could I mean, I get that, right? Like I don't blame them. I don't want Greg oh. <laughs> I don't want Greg Williams like, you know, to be anywhere near a head coaching gig at this point. But maybe they just don't see anyone else on the staff that they think could do the head coaching thing. So, I don't know. Perhaps that is the justification because it's hard to find anything else. I mean, the Jets are out there punting on fourth and one. You know, to start the game a bunch of times, they finally do go for a fourth and one, and they only get it there because they called a, a fullback dive with a tight end on third and one, and then Ugh. they don't get that fourth and one. It's just a complete show for the Jets offense right now, but we're used to that, right? I mean, the one silver lining for them is that, like, Jamison Crowder's back, and he's good, but that's it. Herndon is a mess. Oh, girl, I, can we let's let's just let's, come. Let oh, us, my God. So Herndon, I, I really did. I was leaning optimistically because I, I oftentimes we see when there is a change in quarterback, even if the quarterback is not um, of better talent than the one he is replacing, there is a lift, whether it's because defenses haven't prepared for that quarterback or there's just a change energetically. And I thought, okay, well, like, what does Joe Flacco bring? He does obviously doesn't bring like a high amount of athleticism. So, you know, the Crowder's going to get looked to, but he has traditionally over his time as a starter in Baltimore leaned heavily on the tight end position. And if there was, even though in 2018, we saw the rapport and the chemistry between Darnold and Herndon take off down, you know, the last month of the season or so, I thought, okay, maybe this is an opportunity. Like maybe uh, Flacco won't ignore him to quote Andy as much as, as Darnold did. No, 2018 is never coming back. Like Herndon did not play well. It is over nail in the coffin. No more take locks time to move on. It's a sad day. It's a sad day for the Yahoo fantasy forecast for the, Liz Harmon uh, dynamic that Chris Herndon is no longer uh, an entity within the show. That's uh, that's one for the history books, Liz. It's one for the history books. Yeah, well, we're moving on. Um, I mean, if you want to move on, we can move on. I mean, we should talk about Le'Veon Bell unless you want to move on. We could talk about no, uh, no, no. I don't Frank Gore if you want. Or we it. Right? Like we don't. Do we need to do this? No. Forget. Let's it. talk about Arizona's backfield though because Kenyon Drake 
Tank said a broken clock is right twice. Well, he just got right for the second time this season, scoring his second touchdown of the season. Meanwhile, so does Chase Edmonds. We've discussed ad nauseum, it feels like, Edmonds' elevated role in the passing game. And also, I made, like, on the podcast with Andy, the comparison to not in terms of talent or or efficacy, but in terms of roles, Chubb to Drake versus um, Kareem Hunt to Chase Edmonds, except, you know, their stat lines aren't the same. Their talents are the same. Their skill sets aren't the same. But the that the fact that Chase Edmonds is the preferred the preferred running back in the red area of the field and the preferred running back when it comes to passing downs. And you've said many times since jump, frankly, since the start of this season, that the Arizona Cardinals passing game has not been as advertised. Yeah. Uh that's a great. That's actually a great comparison for the for the Arizona backfield, like to the Cleveland group, like in the exact way that you said it. Not in talent, yada yada, but like, man, Kenyon Drake at this point is sort of stuck in those mostly between the twenty touches. I mean, he got in the end zone today, like saw a scoring area touch. That's great, but that's not been the norm. And the passing game is the huge problem for Drake. So yeah, I mean, he if you had to play him today, great. I think yeah. you you got away with one. But I still feel like at some point this backfield is going to become more of a split. Uh, but I could be wrong. I mean, because look, like Drake hasn't been good so far this year, but they continue to give him a ton of work on the ground. So I could be wrong about that. But the touch load there and, and the passing game part is still a huge concern for Drake. Let's talk about Philadelphia at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh went ahead and completely blew apart all fantasy expectations. With the good, sometimes comes some bad. The bad is that Deontay Johnson hurt his back, having trouble staying healthy. The good, the like the glass half full part of this uh, analysis, though, is that Chase Claypool, the rookie, baller, had a four touchdown day and completely dominated, showing off the measurables that tested so highly at the combine, the speed and the hops. I mean. He's got all the things. My question is, you know, we talked on the FFL halftime about how you said, and I agreed, that Claypool will start to push James Washington for touches. But now is Claypool pushing Johnson, who can't stay on the field? I don't know. I mean, I think I, I think at this point, like, Claypool is going to be a tough genie to put back in the bottle, basically. Like, you don't just go out there yeah. and have a four-touchdown day, and then it's just like, yeah, that was cool, but <laughs> see you in a couple weeks. Like, he's good. And Roethlisberger has been raving about the guy for a long time. I mean, Roethlisberger has been raving about Johnson. We know he likes Juju, whatever. But the point being here, like, if this was just some rando that popped up for a big game, you know, maybe they put him back on the shelf. But this is a player they drafted, whatever. I think the bigger concern really. Second round. It's a second round right. pick. I think the bigger concern really is, like, if you have Juju Smith-Schuster, like, any hopes that you thought that he was going to be this, like, 140 target, 130 target beast, forget yeah. about it. Like, they're not – it's not going to be there because – Claypool even made the point after the game, which I thought this, you know, is is a good one. He said, like, if it wasn't me that went off in this spot, it would have been one of our other guys because that's how deep we are at receiver. And I think that that foursome there of Juju Johnson, James Washington, and Chase Claypool, not in that order anymore. Like, I think Claypool's clearly going to be ahead of Washington going forward, and then it's it is a question of how much he digs into mm-hmm. the starting receivers too. You know, that's not even to mention Eric Ebron, who he had six targets today. He's been a solid role player for the team. Wasn't, you know, an awesome fantasy player or anything today, but still he's, he's been getting reps. 
like this team is deep at pass catcher. It's really hard for me to imagine that, you know, anyone is going to push that 130 target limit. And you didn't draft Deontay Johnson to be that guy. I mean, you drafted him as a potential breakout pick. And I think he can still be that if at some point he just has some better breaks in terms of his injury luck. But yeah, the one that you drafted as potentially that wide receiver one type guy was Juju. And I think so far with these guys continuing to emerge, I mean, Johnson already has emerged through the first two weeks of the season. And then obviously it's just wrench after wrench since then. Now Claypool is starting to stack big plays on big plays. That I think is the bigger takeaway is that this, this passing is just gonna be much more spread out. I think than we possibly could have thought going into the year. I also think it's worth mentioning, and I'm sure that Andy will talk about this on Monday's pod, but, um, Claypool only rostered in 16% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. Miles Sanders, on the other hand, he managed to find 80 yards and two touchdowns in a really tough matchup. I think anyone, you know, we talked earlier about CEH. If you have Miles Sanders and you look at the running back situation, you're going to start him. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what other options. If you're in a, if you're asking start sit questions about whether or not you should flex Miles Sanders, then you should not complain, especially in this year when most of us are like, we don't even know if the, you know, starters we have in <laughs> – Michael Thomas, people who rostered Michael Thomas might have something to say about that. Anyway, yeah. so we talk about Miles Sanders. You're starting him. He has he has volume. He has talent. He has maybe not um the electric offense that you might not that you might want, but he checks enough of the boxes. But if you're talking about electric offenses, I do see I didn't see the the Panthers clock, but I do see on your whiteboard a little something about Travis <laughs> Fulgham, who um yeah, managed yeah. 152 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. Yeah, you like how I got the magnets there now too. Uh, so that people don't have to read my ratty handwriting if they happen to see the uh, video portion of this. You know, I'm just doing a lot for the people back here. You know, I think Fulgham is not quite to this, the same um, electricity as Claypool. But, I mean, I think he's another guy that's going to be a tough genie to put back in the bottle, too, because he scored in back-to-back weeks. Obviously, he has the massive stat line in this game. And the Eagles, like, how much have they gotten – how many good breaks have they gotten at wide receiver at this point? You know, JJ Arcega Whiteside got a target today. And like, that was, woo, we got a target. Like this guy's on the field and someone threw him a ball. Like that's what we're dealing with in the Eagles wide receiver core right now. I, I think, you know, it's, it might still be some time until we see Jalen Rager, Deshaun Jackson misses another week. Like Zach Ertz, by the way, I want to talk about dust. Like people talk about AJ green. You know, I mean, my God, like, yeah. Zach Ertz, one catch for six yards on six targets today. And that's following a, a, multitude, a multitude of disappointments so far this year. I mean, Travis Fulgham has more yards today than Zach Ertz does on the entire season. So, yeah, I think at this point, like, they're going to keep playing this guy Fulgham because he's playing well. And that's not, it's not something you can say about the rest of the uh, Philly pass catchers. No, and Ertz is not going to make the money that he is requesting slash demanding when putting up those kind of numbers, especially when Dallas Goddard isn't in, isn't on the field. So I like that play. I, I like that analysis quite a bit, and I would ask people to keep an eye then on Fulgram. Let's move on to the next matchup. It was Cincinnati at Baltimore, one that Joe Burrow, after securing his first win as an NFL pro, would probably like to forget Uh he did not find the end zone only through for 183 yards. It did not lead to anything noteworthy for anybody, frankly. I yeah. mean, boy, God, uh, 
Tyler Boyd had 42 yards. Joe Mixon had 35. We expected this to be a down week because of the matchup, but I don't think anyone, I know I didn't expect Joe Burrow to completely be, um, he like look like the thing that's so cool about Burrow is because he's so cool, right? He, uh, he doesn't look flustered. It's the antithesis of Andy Dalton. And in this one, you could tell like he was getting hit from behind and he was just like, can we, I'm done. I want to go home. I'm finished. This is not, you know, it was the first, um, time I'd seen Burrow really look flustered, which is to his credit as a rookie playing behind that awful offensive line, but still. Yeah, it definitely was like a sim to end game for uh, Joe Burrow. I think if you're taking away positives for the Bengals here, Joe Mixon, eight targets in this one. Like that's what we, I know it wasn't a huge receiving game or anything, but that was, that's really like mm-hmm. a silver lining because we've wanted to see uh, Joe Mixon with a bigger passing game role than uh, Gio Bernard to start the year. So that was a pretty big deal. I think NT Higgins still eight targets, like clearly ahead of AJ green, AJ green, no catches, no yards, no, 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 no attempt to uh, tackle anyone on Joe Mixon's interception either. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's pretty like clear the sea change that's already happened here in this Bengals offense, but the Mixon getting passing game work, that was still a pretty big deal to me. Lamar Jackson played despite some um, injury reports. He popped up on the injury report midweek a little bit, um, but he didn't have to do too much. We didn't expect that he would have to do too much. He did manage to throw two scores, but under 200 yards. The story, I think, you know, Hollywood Brown is getting 10 targets. We love to see that. Mark Andrews is getting nine targets. We love to see that. We know they have the volume, but the fantasy conundrum slash story for me remains this three-headed monster in the backfield with Ingram getting 11 carries. So he's still leading it as we expected from a rushing standpoint. Gus Edwards gets his seven attempts. um, And then J.K. Dobbins is getting most of the action via the air. He pulled down three balls for 21 yards. I entered the season saying that I thought Mark Ingram was the running back here. And I anticipated that J.K. Dobbins, as much as I liked him throughout the scouting process, would probably not come into the picture from a fantasy standpoint until 2021. And I was definitely wrong. I think I'm going to have to start because of the ceiling that he presents maybe drafting him ahead of ingram well and i mean ranking him ranking him ahead of ingram not drafting him ahead of Ingram. yeah yeah for sure and the i thought it was interesting too gus edwards played the most snaps like i think he's been the the biggest surprise so far not that he's doing anything for your fantasy team or whatever like he's merely like a deep league stash or whatever in case injuries happen but He's still been much more involved, I think, than people anticipated. Certainly, you know, more involved than I anticipated. So, yeah, I mean, he's been sort of a downer for both Ingram and Dobbins. And, I mean, I, you really can never at any point confidently start any of these guys until something changes. Which, you know, I mean, as good as the Ravens are, like, they're not, they're definitely not the 2019 Ravens. Like, they're not that type of offense no. right now. You know, maybe they will be at some point, but... You know, maybe there's a chance that we could feel confident about these running backs in in that offense, but that just doesn't exist right now. This is a a strong but not elite offense, and that's just making starting any of these running backs even more problematic. We're also only a quarter of the way through the year, right? Yeah. So why this feels like a pace yourself situation for the for the Ravens, right? Like don't go ahead and start on fire and not have enough fuel towards the end of the year. Let's keep Lamar healthy. Let's make sure all the legs are fresh because this is a team anticipating a deep playoff run. So that all makes sense. Um, 
you know, again, I've had to start marking room in plenty of places because of what's available to me. Same. But I am looking at J.K. Dobbins and and right and thinking that he might be more intriguing and I might, you know, I, I don't have any any exposure to Dobbins, but I might start considering him more highly when I'm when I'm doing my rankings. Um, Jacksonville at Houston was interesting, mostly because I think Deshaun Watson got a huge sigh of relief. And so did the Texans after finally getting their first win of the season sans B.O.B. in the building. Yeah, I really do think that there was like a collective <sighs> when Bill, when yeah. Bill O'Brien is out. Of <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, for real, though, like, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. no, but I mean, it's deserved because <laughs> it's just like at some point you got to think like these players just have to be emotional about the fact like, Hey, we started Oh, and four and this guy has made the, you know, the dumbest trade in NFL history stacked on a bunch of other mistakes. Like at some point that's got to weigh on you. And especially if he's an asshole and like reportedly, you know, he just wasn't the, wasn't the nicest fellow to deal with uh, in the building. So I think there was just like, and, and Romeo Cornell too, like oldest coach in the league. They've talked about that plenty of times, but everybody that's like played for Romeo Cornell will tell you like, he's a great guy to play with play for. Like we really, we like him. Like he's, he's enjoyable to be around. So I think uh, Bruce, Bruce Gradkowski, the a former backup NFL quarterback was on the ringer uh, NFL podcast this week and said like, he's a big, I mean, he's literally said he's like big teddy bear. You want to play for this guy. He's great. So yeah, I mean, I think that there is just, I, and I'm in on that. Like I'm in on this narrative that the Texans are now, you know, going to get back on track. Like they probably won't become one of the best teams in the AFC or anything. Cause their defense is just not there at all. Um, but I- I'm definitely in on them from an offensive standpoint, starting to get back to what we expected. I mean, even, D- even David Johnson looked good today. Uh, well looked good, whatever he produced pretty good today. So, uh, and, yeah. and I mean, Brandon cooks like the biggest flop lag of all time in, in daily fantasy circles, zero catches, last week uh and then comes out and goes 161 yards on eight catches and a touchdown i i'm i'm starting to think that this houston offense can get back on track simply because of that collective sigh of relief that they have to be letting out now that o'brien is gone the texans have remained one of the least predictable teams to analyze on a week-to-week basis because what they should be and what they have been have been two different things and then this week you're right. Brandon Cooks finds the end zone, has himself a big day. Um, I don't think, though, that the Texans are going to become any more predictable in the short term because next week they're scheduled to play the Titans. And I don't think we need to say I think you know what? I, like, that. The Titans are on the schedule. You know what that means. You know if the Titans are on the schedule, you know. I don't. All bets are off, man. All bets are off. A hundred percent. James Robinson, by the way, he had a rare flop today. 13 carries for 48 scoreless yards. He also managed to be involved in the passing game, which continues to buoy his fantasy value. Five catches for 22 yards. Um, And LaVishka Chenault led this squad, the Jacksonville Jaguars, in receiving. He also saw some touches out of the backfield, as we've seen him do. The versatility makes the whole fan- football Twitter very, very excited. He caught seven for 79. And, you know, Colin Johnson and Keelan Cole both had touchdowns, but nothing for our boy Chark. No, a tough scene there. Tough scene. All right. Speaking of tough scenes, I think this is the matchup that Ugh. we're both the most reticent to discuss. Uh, Giants at Dallas. The big news is obviously that Dak Prescott um, 
I'm like getting a little bit emotional about this I and know. I have like no tad ties to Dallas, but um, that Dak Prescott suffered a very gruesome ankle injury running in a touchdown and playing on the franchise tag. We need to mention, and he, um, it's his season is over. Yeah. He's getting ankle surgery as we, by the time you take, listen yeah. to this, he will be recovering from ankle surgery. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It was, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't frankly, like, just as a disclosure, like a human disclosure, I don't really even want to yeah. talk about what the fantasy implications of that are because the story is so much more human, especially on the heels of Mental Health Awareness Day and everything that's gone on with the that. Yeah. Trauma that he suffered with his brother and the blowhards in the media who remain completely empathetic and out of touch, remain completely absent of empathy rather and out of touch yeah no it's it's just awful timing for so many reasons and i can't really remember like i mean yeah i mean it's it is ironic that on the day where alex smith like returns from what was you know a a horrific comeback and you know i don't know that we're going to be talking about dak like potentially losing his leg or anything like that so you know i guess there's some perspective there but at the same time like on a day where he makes this miraculous comeback it was just such an unbelievable like just a gut punch, like hard to watch for so many reasons. I mean, Jason Garrett, his former coach, the offensive coordinator now for the Giants is out there on, you yeah. know, I mean, it was just everybody knew the minute it happened, uh, what, what was, what it was and just what a, what a freaking bummer it was. I mean, he's in the middle of this potentially record breaking campaign, uh, you know, only had to average like 316 yards per game to break the, the passing yards record. I think that was probably pretty possible, all things considered. So, yeah, I mean, it just it's a bummer. Um, and, you know, Andy Dalton will will be there now and they could win the division at four and 12. I, I don't know, I guess. I mean, it's it's a it sucks. It just really sucks. It's a really bad division. So uh, you have a, a point there. I mean, you have to imagine this. um this boosts Ezekiel Elliott's fantasy stock if it wasn't already high enough, right? Like, yeah. we know that he's going to continue to be utilized and he is going to, you have to imagine, with Andy Dalton um, as the team's quarterback, that the exciting Kellen Moore-designed high-flying offense that this team was putting together and that Dak was at the helm of will take a massive step back. And we know what this team looks like. The offensive line is still banged up. So, Christ, that's going to be ugly. And, you know, if there is a silver lining, I, I have to keep – like Michael Gallup, good luck now. I, I don't I don't know how you find high-value targets when Andy Dalton is your quarterback. And I do think, though, that – CD Lamb continues to have a really sneaky value because he's working a nice safety valve section of the field. Yeah, you love like the way CD Lamb is utilized as that slot guy. Uh, I think he'll have, like you said, tremendous value uh, with <laughs> with Andy Dalton there. Like you said, just doesn't really like it. Just feels weird talking about the fantasy implications of all this. But I think you, I think yeah. you, I think you summed that up really well. You know, Michael Gallup. To to be fair couple of awesome catches you know uh, to to put them in position to to still win this game um you know high degree of difficulty targets like the guy's very underrated really hard role you know mari cooper even before dak went out was in the middle of his first like disappearance act of this game which james bradbury i think i pointed this out on ffl like he's a good player like he's 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 probably gonna be tracking amari Mm -hmm. cooper around the field like he's been he's been really good this year so i mean yeah, I think it. I think we kind of know what to do with all of these Cowboys players. They'll still be in positions where they have to throw the ball a lot, like whether they want to or not. 
because this defense is still going to demand it. I mean, I know Daniel Jones didn't find the end zone in this one, but that's because he's Daniel Jones. Like they made Devonta Freeman look pretty good. Um, this defense is still going to put them in positions where they have to throw the football. Yeah, from the giant side of things, you make an excellent point. Devonta Freeman, we knew that this had the potential to be a good game for him, a flex-worthy game for him, $10. He was $10 in our DFS game. He had a solid 17 carries for 60 yards and a score. Darius Slayton, you know, we, we've talked about him as a player that is different from the rest on the offense um, among the receiving core. Eight catches for 129 yards and a touchdown if you are heavily invested in the New York Giants, I mean, you got other stuff to deal with. Let's talk about Miami at San Francisco. <laughs> Fitz Magic, the legend, continues making a beard look heftier than a mustache still. Uh, it looked like the writing was on the wall for Tua, but then what do you know? Uh, somebody's like, I don't know what, like if it's a spidey sense or something else that's more clever than that, but it always seems to tingle in Fitzmagic, and he ended up putting up 350 yards and three touchdowns on the 49ers defense that, yes, has been banged up, but my gosh, was still pretty effective last week, especially. I mean, now you look back at it and you're like, oh, well, they shut down Zach Ertz. Well, maybe that's a Zach Ertz problem and <laughs> yeah. not... Not so much of a 49ers uh, feather in their cap. Yeah, no, that was pretty. It was a surprising performance from Fitzpatrick for sure. I mean, like you said, still a really banged up unit, but man, just got worked. Um, it was nice to see all of their like top front line players in Miami involved. Preston Williams, 106 yards and a touchdown. Mm. Uh, Mike Gusecki leads the team in targets, goes over 90 yards. Devontae Parker finds the end zone. Miles Gaskin. All that volume finally yeah. <laughs> finally finds himself in the end zone too. Um and I mean, but I think the bigger story is on the other side of the field where Jimmy Garoppolo gets benched. Did he get benched, Matt? I don't know. Or was he just not fully over his injury? Maybe his ankle still hurt and he wasn't able to properly plant his feet, and that's what led to um those two really egregious interceptions. I think that's the correct answer. You know, I mean, I I think that he looked I mean, he just looked so off, you know, seven for 17, the two picks, uh, the NBC guys pregame before Sunday night football were, were showing some plays where he definitely didn't look like he could plant that foot. Um, so I think that's probably the right answer. I think, well, like it just is a little strange. Like why, you know, does Jimmy push to get back like too quick or, you know, does Kyle Shanahan push to get him back in there too quick? Like maybe you could have thrown uh, CJ Beathard out there against this uh, against this Dolphins defense as the full starter and been fine. I, I it's a decision to second guess, but still, uh, yeah, I would I would say that the correct answer there is yeah, he probably just wasn't fully healthy. Um, and you know, but uh, at the same time, like man, Jimmy Garoppolo is riding high from like a press clipping standpoint, coming off like Nick Mullins induced positive press. Uh, I, I, like, oh man, don't forget Jimmy Garoppolo, man, people, people disrespect uh, how important he is to this team. Cause look what they were with Nick Mullins. Now it's like, oh, well, oh. it looks like they lit, they missed Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. The team misses Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. All that goodwill yeah. is gone now. Well, obviously, you know, from a fantasy perspective though, we have to talk about the backfield. Cause we had a lot of questions about Raheem Monster's return from the MCL injury during FFL this morning and whether Jarek McKinnon would see a decent role. Uh, he did not Jeff Wilson. Nope. So Monster's the guy he is back McKinnon <laughs> one rushing attempt. Um, and he, what he had like four targets, I think. And he caught two of them for five yards. So sick this 
the ba- right. The backfield belongs to Mostert um, and George Kittle. You're going to continue to play. Yep. And I think this whole San Francisco 49ers offense was just off and blindsided and didn't know how they had to do the hurt quarterback and they didn't know how to move forward, especially yeah. with magic doing his Tua can wait dance. Um, Indianapolis at Cleveland. So heading into this week, this was one of the games that I was like, I don't care. Like how many, they're going to be like 20 points scored total really? in oh, this man. matchup. Uh, I did not. I mean, this to me, and by the way, it was not terribly exciting from an offensive standpoint, at least in so much as like Philip Rivers still can't find the damn end zone. Like you're going to pass for under 250 yards and not find a single receiver. That's problematic. I understand that like the narrative is like, well, they really want to focus on the run. Cool. Jonathan Taylor, 12 rushes, 57 yards and a touchdown. That's fine. But this was not... Um, like a full steam ahead, awesome effort. I do think that the Cleveland Browns are starting to find themselves and feel themselves and Baker Mayfield finally passed for more than 200 yards. Yeah, I thought this game was compelling because like the, these are two teams that we definitely did not expect um, to be here, like with this quality of record. I mean, I think the Browns are like, you know, yeah, coming off. Coming off the this this week, I feel like the Browns are much like more legit than I ever thought they'd be this year. I mean, I thought they'd be a decent bounce back team, but like they look good on both sides of the ball, uh, especially in this one. Like, a <laughs> shout out to uh, one of my Twitter followers who, after I said like you don't see much worse than that pick six that Philip Rivers threw in this game. Uh, Carlos pointed out that dude's ready for slow pitch softball league. And like, I'm just giving Carlos credit on that. Now I'm giving him credit on that now for when I steal that the rest of the season, uh, or as long as Philip rivers decides to keep playing this little game of football, because yeah, I mean, I just don't like, there's nothing, there's nothing compelling about this Colts like passing game at all. Their defense has been good to start this year, but they got no juice in the passing game whatsoever. Um, And like Frank Wright can scheme things up all he wants, but at the same time, compromised quarterback, no stars in the, in the receiving room. It's a, it's a train wreck right now. I don't, I don't know that the, there's there's no lift. There's no electricity. It's just, it, it is very blah. And as frustrating as it is to have, you know, to see Baker Mayfield, with the training wheels on, you are excited to see at least Odell Beckham being used in creative ways in back-to-back weeks. You are excited by, like, his athletic ceiling, which you still see hints of. And, you know, without Nick Chubb, it wasn't, thank goodness, thank goodness, I got outbid for Dearness Johnson. <laughs> I was not, can you believe people, Pat, like, people blowing their whole fab budget on this, on this AAF? I, no, thank you. Kareem Hunt, 20 carries, 72 yards. Um, and that was just on the ground. He also caught, 20 uh, three balls for 21 yards and a receiving score he is clearly the answer while Nick Chubb is hurt. yeah for sure I mean all of your Browns kind of came through today I mean Beckham made a great catch it wasn't an awesome fantasy player whatever this is like the best pass defense in the NFL coming into this week yeah. so yeah I mean this is this is a really encouraging performance I think for the Browns offense overall and their defense like I think it's more of a Philip Rivers thing I don't think their defense is all the way back but like yeah Good. I think the Browns are a much, much better team than I ever would have thought. Four and one, baby. Monday night football and 
Tuesday night football, but the big story before we get to Tuesday, because there are a lot of big stories. There's always a big story in 2020. Uh, the Chargers are at New Orleans on Monday, and Michael Thomas is not playing, if this is news to y'all. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, not because of the ankle injury, <laughs> but um, he's throwing haymakers. So I guess he can plant his feet. That'll be good for next week, hopefully. Yep. What you said. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I mean, the whole schedule. The we whole talked schedule a lot about thrown to shit at this point. Like, <laughs> like I, if you I haven't seen it, like again, if this is breaking news to you, I, I don't know. No, I don't I've know seen to tell it. You. No, I'm not I'm not talking to you, Liz. I'm talking about the the great listeners out there. Like, <laughs> if you don't realize that the entire schedule just like. But in the middle of the, you know, 1 p.m. Eastern games, like, you know, the NFL drops the schedule changes or whatever. And, like, they don't have too many more, like, tiles to move around here. I don't know. We'll see what it, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, re- reconfigure uh, where you think games are going to be happening at what time and at what date. So just be flexible. No, it's like it's like scheduling Tetris. I, I couldn't all of the words I was reading. I was like, I can't I can't do this. I felt like I'm going to do the thing that you do. I um felt like one of those beautiful mind memes. Like, I don't know where except not the beautiful mind, the person who's trying to, like, track it and doesn't yeah. know what's going on. Um, But 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 here. So I will say. I was like, how am I, I did have a moment and maybe like, this is like a peek behind the curtain. I did have a moment that I was like, how am I going to do this? Like I, I read the thing like three times and I was like closing my eyes and trying to like play the Tetris game where I was like, well, if they're over here, then they're over there. Okay. And then I was like, this is stupid. What am I doing? Like, it doesn't matter. It's going to change a ton more. Andy Barron said at the top of the season, do not plan ahead this year. Fluidity is the name of the game. Don't stress yourself out. Never before has fantasy been a more head-to-head situation than it is right now. Buffalo at Tennessee theoretically moved to Tuesdays if testing comes back clear. So my advice to y'all is don't waste the energy. We have discovered, protect your damn energy. We have discovered what a precious resource that is in 2020. So don't waste it trying to figure out if and when and who and where until if and when and who and where is announced for that week, mm, the morning of. Well said. Protect your damn energy. All right, Matt. Um, you file an article every single Sunday night. You got a lot of thought. This week gave you some stuff to not care about and some stuff to deeply care about. <laughs> what, if you don't mind sharing with our listeners, are you planning on leading with? Uh, something coming out of the Sunday night game, which so far 10 to 6, the Vikings over the Seattle Seahawks is about to go into this, the, the second half here. Uh, that's not what we expected. So probably something from that game is usually the lead. That is the way I'm usually encouraged to write the piece. But yeah, definitely talked a lot about the Panthers and the Falcons game because uh, I think we're kind of at a shifting for both teams uh, going forward. Uh, well, keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for the podcast, which is our waiver wire podcast tomorrow. And speaking of podcasts, we got lots of them at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel and Pat Forty. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF, and that's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. One more thanks to Planters. Andy and Scott will be back tomorrow morning to talk pickups. Until then, we're out. It's no secret that our world 
has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.